everyone. We made it through another round of the holidays as well as another round of Mercury retrograde. In fact, Jupiter and Saturn are direct and so is Chiron. So we're literally bursting into this year, facing forward and ready to take on whatever it has in store. I know for me, as soon as the new year hit, I felt a shift in energy and I was absolutely ready to get back to my regularly scheduled program. Speaking of scheduling, my books are currently open for the months of January and February. My patrons got first dibs on the booking, so a lot of January is already picked over, but I think February is still pretty open at this point. I'll be opening my books roughly every two months, so if you can't make this round, then don't worry. The March and April bookings will be here before you know it, but definitely go check those out if you've been wanting to book an astrological consultation with me. I would be delighted to meet with you. I also have a webinar coming up in February. The topic is The Fool's Journey. I'll be exploring the story of the fool in detail, going over the symbolism of each of the major arcana, and also talking about the astrological correlations of each card. This is a really fun one, so I hope you'll join me as we tackle the story of the fool and his journey of self-exploration. If you can't make the date and time that I have scheduled, you can still buy a ticket for the webinar and then anyone who buys a ticket gets the the recording regardless of attendance. So if you can't make it, but you still want to know about it, then you can do that instead. As far as announcements and plugs go, I think that's it. As always, you can sign up to become a patron of me in this podcast by going to my website, moonmattersastrology.com. You'll find all my bookings there, the shop with various tarot readings and poem offerings. Everything to work with me or support my work is there. So head on over there if you feel called to do so. And as always, thank you for listening and thank you for supporting me into another calendar year. Last time we had an official lecture style podcast, we were talking about chiromancy or palmistry. We're going to continue that discussion today, so let's do a very quick recap of where we left off. Our first episode in the chiromancy series was just a general overview about what it is, where it comes from, and what we can use it for. The second episode was all about the mounts of the palm. The mounts are those fleshy pads on your hand that correspond to each of the seven traditional planets. So if you need a refresher before moving on, definitely go back and take a listen. Otherwise, let's keep this chiromancy train moving and dive into what I expect to be what most of you were waiting for, or at least the most familiar with, and that's the lines of the palm. Now, the lines don't really have astrological correlations to planets like mounts do. Instead, they're more about the broad topics or the broad area of your life. Think about the mounts, like the planets, and the lines sort of like houses. We don't have 12 lines to look at like we do houses, so it's not a one-to-one comparison, but hopefully you get my point. The mounts describe the archetypal energy of the planet that rules it. And the lines describe the realm or the area of your life that it presides over. The technical term for the lines of the palm is palmer creases, which kind of makes me think of Arnold Palmer for some reason, so I don't really use that term. I just think that saying lines is good enough. There are six major lines and a bunch of minor lines. Of the six major lines, three of them are considered most important. Again, sort of like astrology where you have a big three. I'm only going to go over the six major lines because, again, this series is a general overview. So we're just hitting all of the major players and the key points. So while there are a bunch of little minor lines and a bunch of other little things that you can look at, 
this is kind of a crash course, I'll say, in getting your feet wet in palmistry. And it should keep it should be more than enough to keep you busy looking at your palm and trying to understand it. So there are six major lines. That's what we're going to be going over. And out of those six, there are three that are considered most important. No matter what line we're judging, we judge them kind of in all the same manner. You're looking for depth, clarity, and any mitigating markings. What I mean by depth is how deep or shallow the line is. Clarity refers to how clearly the line appears in the palm and if there's any breakages or chains. And mitigating markings can be anything from coloration to actual little markings. You'll notice all this sort of chicken scratch and little markings on the palm here and there. Those can sometimes be of importance to both lines and mounts depending on what the variation of the marking is. And I haven't decided yet if I'm going to do a full episode on mitigating markings. I think I probably will just so you can continue to add that in as another layer. But for now, just know that all those little things that you're like, yeah, my palm has all these tiny little lines all over it and random little places. Sometimes those are actually really important to an interpretation in palmistry. So when you look at the lines on your hands, you're assessing them for depth and clarity. A line can be shallow and thin, but still very clear. A line can be deep, but also faint and hard to follow. Deep and clear lines typically mean the line is strong and well-developed. Thin but clear lines means that while the line is thin, there's still strong and clear energy coming from the line. Shallow and broken lines indicate blockages, life events, or low flow within the line. And then you're also looking for those mitigating factors that I was talking about, like colors of the line, size in proportion to the palm or the other lines, and then things known as defects, repairs, or strengthening agents. Defects are blockages and they impede or stop the flow of the line. Repairs and strengthening agents are more auspicious and they can boost the flow of the line. While we read lines, we should try to view them through the lens of an energetic channel. If the channel is broad and deep without impediment, then the energy will flow rather readily. If the channel is shallow, broken, or filled with obstacles, then we'll see the flow of the line being affected as well. And some people have really clear lines all the way through, and some people have part of the line is clear or part of the line is broken and then it becomes clear later. And that all matters in your interpretation. Now, I said there are six major lines. That does not mean you have all six. In fact, it's likely that you don't. Unlike the mounts, most people don't have all of the major lines. The mounts are sort of like everyone just has a mount. That's kind of the anatomy of the hand. It's just to what degree is that archetype showing itself. You're going to have a strongest mount, you're going to have a weakest mount, and that's for everyone's hand. The space for the mount is there no matter what, again, because that's just kind of anatomy. Even if the mount isn't prominent, there's still space for it. But with the lines, the lines are either there or they aren't. Almost everyone will have the big three of the lines, and I guess that's why they're the big three, because they are the most prominent and the ones that we see most often. These are the life, the head, and the heart line. Those are also the ones that you've likely heard about when someone is talking about palmistry. They're just like the sun, moon, and rising of astrology. Very popular, but also very important. Some people's head and heart lines will actually appear as one straight line across their palm, and this is called a simian line. 
It means that the mind and the heart function as one. It's not super common, but I wanted to mention it in case someone's looking at their head and heart lines and they can't find them. And it's just because they're actually joined as one and it's a simian line. Today, we're going over the six major lines, how to locate them, and what they signify. I'm not going into a ton of detail about how to interpret the lines. I'll just be giving the overall meaning of each major line. I'm working on creating some sort of an offering for palm readings, so hopefully I'll have that up in the shop by the end of the series. There's just so much that goes into palmistry, and putting all the pieces together via podcast form is not super easy. So for now, let's just go over what each major line stands for in general without any mitigating factors. So this is just like a really broad overview of them. I'm going to relate it to astrology. You're going to hear me do that a lot because I think that's the basis of what a lot of people know. So just like in astrology, there can be a really broad definition of your sun sign. And you're like, well, I don't relate to that. But then when you get into aspects and house placement and other things, all those little mitigating factors, it refines it. Same thing with these mounts and these lines. You might be like, well, yeah, that, that kind of makes sense, but not really. Just bear with me while we get this, uh, this base, this soup base, <laughs> I guess, created so we understand it and its totality. And then we'll work on refining the meanings. Let's dive into it. Enough of my disclaimers. Let's just get into this. The first of the major lines is the heart line. It begins near the base of the Jupiter finger and moves across the hand all the way to the outer ridge of the hand. The heart line is the one that people think of when they want to know about love life, but it's a lot more than that. It speaks to your literal capacity for love, your emotional depth, and what type of emotional disposition you possess, as well as the strength of your literal physical heart. It can show both heart ailments and emotional heartbreaks. So the heart line is much more than just the question of will I find love or what is my love life going to be like? It's actually how you act in love, your capacity for love, and the type of heart that resides within you. When this line is deep and clear, we see someone with a strong heart, both emotionally and physically. There's a ton of other ways the line can appear. It can be broad, shallow, thin. In the shape of a ladder, it can be chain linked. It can even be broken and reattached in various places. Each of these arrangements means something different for the physical heart and the emotional heart. My heart line is actually chain linked. So instead of just a smooth line, it looks like a bunch of little ovals connected one after the other. A chain link heart is said to be an extremely changeable and fickle heart emotionally. It also indicates heart defects or health problems related to the heart. Where the chains end and begin will indicate those problems. For me, it manifests as circulation issues. My circulation is not great. (laughs) I actually have ray nods or ray nodes, however you say. I think it's ray nodes, which is this wild thing that happens to my hands when I get cold. Like my blood vessels, they just stop working. And it's this whole thing with my circulation and my hands get like bright white, then bright red, then bright purple. It's, It's crazy. The chain-linked heart line rings really true for me, both emotionally and physically. Where the heart line begins and whether it begins with a fork or not will also tell us information about the realm of emotions. A heart line that begins just under the finger of Jupiter is going to desire an idealistic and romantic love. A heart line that begins between the Jupiter and Saturn finger will want a mix of romantic instability And a heart line that begins under the Saturn finger will actually be a very sensual 
lover, and crave reassurance in the physical realm, both material and body. A fork at the beginning of the heart line increases the significations of the line greatly. Regardless of what type of heart line you have, a forked line creates someone who is agreeable and is always trying to make connections with others in the ways that they know how and the ways that their heart kind of knows how. Let's move on to the next major line, which is another one of the big three lines, the headline. This can be found in the middle section of the palm and typically begins somewhere underneath the Mount of Jupiter or about in that area. It can be straight, curved, or straight and then with a curve, but it typically runs across the palm towards the Mount of Luna. And this is why I also started with the mounts and the fingers, because you have to kind of know the mounts and the fingers in order to understand which way I'm telling you the lines even run. So it typically runs across the palm towards the Mount of Luna. The headline is everything mercurial. It's our intellect, how our mind works, our preferred communication style, our capacity for learning, what types of skills and thinking we're geared towards, our memory, concentration, focus, and mental self-control. Like I said, anything mercurial belongs to this line, so it's going to be a big laundry list because a lot of things belong to mercury. From a health perspective, it's our mental fortitude or our mental health. A deep and clear line gives someone great mental fortitude and the ability to overcome whatever obstacles are thrown their way. The deeper the lines, the better the memory, pending any mitigating factors or markings. Lines that are less strong tend to have a lower mental stamina. They can't focus for too long or for long periods of time, and exerting their minds for too long will lead to fatigue or exhaustion. This doesn't mean that they aren't smart. It just means the mind doesn't have as much stamina or endurance. Shallow, broken, or thin lines can also be easily swayed by others or given to temptation or have a short attention span. You don't have to twist the arm of a shallow or a thin headline too hard to get them to go along with their plan. You could also say that maybe they're naive or gullible. Whether the headline is straight or curved matters greatly in the interpretation. A curved headline means flexibility and creativity in thinking, and a straight headline is more geared towards the hard facts and being a realist. A straight line is also a lot more direct in their communication style than a curved line. There's also a lot of little factors that play into this line and how you interpret the mind. This line is also the most subject to change over time as we grow and go through transformations. Because remember, what your palm looks like right now, it probably didn't look like five, three, ten years ago. Your palm changes as you grow and change. Another thing to easily look at with this line is if it's touching the lifeline at the beginning or if there's space between them. If the two lines are touching, then we want to look at how long those lines are joined together and when do they separate. This gives us information on how long someone was tied to the influence of their family and how long it took them to gain independence or just how much their family really influenced them. If the two lines are not touching at the beginning points, then we see someone who was always independent and may have even had a sort of rebellious streak. The further apart the two lines are, the more independent the person was in their adolescence. Lastly, you'll want to look at the strength of the line and whether or not it ends in a fork. Generally, the longer the line stretches across the palm, the more mental endurance someone has. 
A forked headline indicates versatility in thinking, regardless of what the original disposition was. The forks act as antennas, pulling in information from more than one source, which allows the person to learn more and be more well-rounded in their thinking. It kind of gives me Gemini vibes where it's like, okay, I have this duality. I can pull things in from multiple sources, and they're really good at kind of multitasking. Forks can mean someone is open to new ideas. Where the fork ends needs to be taken into account as to how it plays out in someone's life as well. The next line is the last line of the big three. This is the lifeline or the vitality line. This line doesn't actually have anything to do with how long you're going to live. So spoiler alert, we're just going to set the record straight. The lifeline does not have anything to do with your actual length of life. That's found somewhere else entirely in the palm. So yeah, uh, I'm sorry to disappoint everyone. If, you're, if you have a short lifeline, that doesn't mean you're going to have a short life. If you have a long lifeline, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have a long life. This line is found at the edge of the palm beneath the Mount of Jupiter and usually starts somewhere near the headline, somewhere beneath it usually. The lifeline encases the lower Mars Mount and the Mount of Venus as it tends to make a curved kind of swoop shape around both of them and then heads down towards the wrist. That is the general shape and motion of this line. So if the lifeline doesn't actually comment on our length of life, then what does it comment on? The lifeline speaks to our physical strength, vitality, life force, how we handle illness at different points throughout our lives, our personal preferences, and how we live our lifestyle, and even just things like our general disposition, meaning introvert or extrovert. Instead of thinking about the lifeline as how long you'll live, think of it as how long you're granted the gift of vitality and how you use that energy. If we look at the two mounts, this line encircles the lower Mars and the Mount of Venus, then we can see how this line speaks towards both vitality and expression of personality, because both of those mounts have to do with what type of person we are. And the line tells us how we can take those personalities and archetypal energy and express it into the world. Venusians are... They tend to be extroverted by nature because Venus wants camaraderie. Venus wants the more the merrier. Venus is like, yes, like I want it to be flowing and beautiful. So if we see a wide circle for the Mount of Venus, then we know there's a lot of room for Venusian qualities to grow and take place. And we could say, pending other things, again, that that person does have a sort of extroverted personality. When the lifeline is closer to the thumb, it restricts the Mount of Venus. It makes her smaller. There's not as much room for her. And it creates someone who is more cool on the outside, not as warm and Venusian. And these people are usually more introverted as a result. Whether you have a deep, shallow, thin, or broad lifeline, the most important factor is that it's clear. Having a clear lifeline means the vitality and energy of someone runs smoothly and the potential for fighting illness is present. Regardless of whether the line itself is deep, thin, or chained, or anything in between, as long as you can still see it and it's clear, you're good. It's okay. It can just be a time when someone goes through a depression or has a lot of karmic life events happen. And honestly, I say it's okay because we all have periods like that in our life. So if you see something in your lifeline that looks a little wonky or different than the rest of the lifeline, don't worry. That's normal because hardship is normal. Illness is normal. It's all part of being human. 
I actually expect to see some sort of oddity in the lifeline at some point. So don't worry. Don't worry. Your lifeline is okay. Your life will be okay. The last thing I want to do is create fear around palmistry. Markings on or throughout this line indicate periods of illness or faded events. Overall, interpreting the line itself is important, but you also need to really look at the curvature and see how much room Upper Mars and especially Venus has. That will give you so much insight as to how you express your energy into the world. Now we're moving on to the lines that aren't part of the big three. The reason they're not part of the big three is because not everyone has these lines. It's okay if you don't, and it's okay if you do. It doesn't make you more special if you do have them, and it doesn't mean you don't skip out on fate if you don't have them. It's just whether or not your palm decided to give that information. The line of Saturn is the next line we'll be discussing. This is also referred to as the line of fate or the line of security. This line tends to run up the middle of the palm and it stays in line with the finger of Saturn. It can start anywhere from the bottom of the wrist and work its way up towards the finger of Saturn. The main thing is that this line has to always be pointing towards the finger of Saturn. That's kind of how you know that that is Saturn's line. The majority of people will have some form of this line. It's not guaranteed, but it's highly likely that the line of Saturn will show up in some way, even if it's only partially. What this line speaks towards is what makes us feel secure in the physical world, our potential for making money, career indications, lifestyle changes, karma, faded events. And this is actually the line that speaks towards age, which I think is very apt for Saturn because Saturn is father time. He is all about coming of age. He Age and time is his thing. It doesn't tell us when we're going to die, but we can use this line to break up our lives into distinct periods. For instance, the time we experience our first Saturn return is reflected in the palm when Saturn's line crosses the headline. Everything below the headline is age 30 and under. And the crossing of Saturn's line with the headline marks that very distinct period of time. It's rare to see a hand that doesn't have some interesting movement of the line of Saturn near the 30th year of life when it approaches the headline. These two lines crossing is like our first big life lesson from the school of fate. On my hand, the line of Saturn actually breaks just before the 30th year. So it's like once my Saturn return started, I was on a completely new life path, which I know is extremely accurate for my, for me personally, for my personal experience. I did not emerge as the same human after my return ended, which my return ended at age 30. I believe it started around 27. So I see that, that break in my hand right around that time. And then it continues on and then it hits the headline. And after that, it just disappears. After it hits the headline, after my Saturn return would be over, it just disappears. And it just disappears until the very end of my life, around age 90, I see it reappear in my palm. All of a sudden, there's a really deep and clear mark with no breaks or interruptions. So who knows what that's about? I guess I'll circle back and let you know in like 60 years. So I'm not going to say that we can predict everything from what's in our palm because there's just so much. And I'm just going to be very real about that. You can see, I could, I could say to someone, if they had a palm like mine, I could be like, okay, there's something big that happens before your Saturn return. Once your Saturn return happens, you enter this new phase of your life. 
and you're going to be living the next 60 years trying and searching and understanding and working. And then when you hit old age, you know, 80, 90, that's when you reach this point of true wisdom, which (laughs) it looks like I have a ways to go. I gave that example of my Saturn line because I want to say that the Saturn line is elusive. Fate is fickle. It's hard to read and understand. Some people will have really distinct Saturn lines, but a lot of us won't. That doesn't mean that our lives don't have meaning or that we don't have a destiny. It just means that we have a lot of figuring it out to do. Some people know what, that they want to be doctors ever since they were, were little, or they know what their purpose is ever since they were little. I feel like some people are born with their whole lives already mapped out and they feel it in their bones. And then there's people who fly by the seat of their pants and just let the wind take them where it may. A Saturn line that trails off can mean that you're being swept up by the wind, experiencing something new, or allowing yourself to go through the necessary changes so you can get to that destined end result. Where the line of Saturn begins or rises from is going to be important to its interpretation. If it begins at the lifeline or the Mount of Venus, then that person's family will likely have strong indications about their career and material world standing. This doesn't always mean that it's positive. It could be an oppressive force, but it can also feel very supportive in the right situation. A Saturn line that rises from the direct center of the palm is someone who cannot be swayed in their career choice and is very independent when it comes to their life choices in general. The most prominent archetypes of the hand will play a role in what the person decides to do with their life and what life path they walk. If Saturn is rising from the Mount Luna, the person will likely be involved in creative work, art, or something intuitive. It can also have something to do with children or being a mother, caretaker, or someone who plays the mother archetype in their career. Lastly, Saturn rising from the Mount of Mars, either one, it typically means that the person will see success after much struggle. The Mars mounts are much higher up on the palm, so when Saturn's line is there, it can begin to feel like the early years were aimless, they didn't have meaning, or you just didn't really know if you were going to make it to where you are now. There's so much perseverance and courage required when Saturn's line begins here. So as always, look for clarity and depth in the line, and that'll tell you what the strength of the line is. Have fun with this one, and try not to take it too seriously or overthink it. Remember, palmistry should be fun, not all ministers scary. We should be in awe at the fact that we can look down at our palm and be like, oh, hell, I can see (laughs) that at, you know, 27, I had this break in my Saturn line and then my Saturn return happened. And, you know, I was on this completely new path. That to me is auspicious and interesting and wonderful. This is not something that is ominous or scary. These last two lines are the least common of all of the six major lines. So if you can't find either of these two while I'm going over them, don't worry about it because you probably don't have them or they're just really small or really hard to find. It's a really small and hard version of them. This one we're talking about is probably my least formed line, and that's the line of Apollo. Even if you have this line, it likely won't run the entirety of the palm. It can start from pretty much anywhere. So not only is this line not common and tends to be short when it does appear, it can also start pretty much wherever. So again, if you have trouble finding this one, you're not doing it wrong. Palmistry is just hard. 
you might also find that the line of Apollo appears somewhere, disappears, and then comes back again right between the mounts of Apollo. Or maybe you just have a marking in between the mounts of Apollo, and that's your Apollo line. This is a creative line, so we must get into our creative mind to find it and understand it. The line of Apollo speaks towards artistic abilities, and this line is even called the line of art or the line of recognition. When this line is really well-defined and really well-formed, which remember, that is rare, it makes me think of the bohemian artistic archetype. The person will be an artist in their heart and soul. They may also just be an extremely exuberant or radiant person because Apollo is the sun after all. When I say artistic ability, I don't just mean painting or drawing. It can be dance, music, writing, fashion, food, anything creative and imaginative. Oftentimes, the leading archetype of the palm will influence the interests of the person with a strong line of Apollo. Someone with a Saturnian archetype may take their line of Apollo and apply it to scholarly pursuits and become an inventor or an abstract thinker. Mercurial and Mars archetypes can become athletes or military leaders. So even if you don't have a super standout line of Apollo, you can still use the leading archetype of your palm to see where you put your creative juices and how they manifest. We judge this line the same as the others. We're looking for a deep and clear line. If that's not the case, which it most likely isn't, then we look to what's going on with the line. Is it chained or laddered? Is it shallowed or more so a formation of little dashes? Does it begin strong and end weak or vice versa? Just like with the line of Saturn, we need to look at where the line begins to understand it better. This line can start in a wide variety of places. It can begin from the wrist, upper Mars, the line of Saturn, the lifeline, the headline, the heartline, or the Mount of Luna. Its starting point will give information like the leading archetype gives information. What kind of artist is this person? And what forms does their artistic ability express through? For instance, if the line of Apollo rises from the Mount of Luna, we see someone who is steeped in imagination and intuitive design. This person is a wellspring for new and refreshing ideas that come from a completely original source, their subconscious. This person may also be very interested in travel, dreams, or writing. And we'll just give another example. If the Apollo begins from the heart line, then we'll see someone who will receive recognition for their creative efforts much later in life. They probably aren't even creating their art to get recognized sometimes because it's more about expressing emotion and what lives inside their soul. They feel compelled to express it. Emotions can definitely get tied up in recognition and success if they aren't really aware of themselves. But in all, their art and success is mostly just emotionally driven. We made it to the last of the major lines of the palm. This last one is the line of Mercury. It's said that about 50% of hands have this line, and it's actually better to have no line of Mercury than a weak line of Mercury. Its location is, you guessed it, running towards the Mount of Mercury. This one is similar to the Mount of Apollo, where it's usually not very big or fully formed. There's almost always going to be breakages, blockages, mitigating markings, or some sort of oddity within the line. So if you have this line, then you can glean information from it pertaining to health and vitality. It's sort of like a supplemental line to the lifeline. It also supports the line of Saturn with its significations because it speaks towards money and decision making. 
Mercury is a merchant, after all, so it's always going to have something to say within the realm of the material world. If you don't have a Saturn line, but you have a Mercury line, they can sort of take each other's place, not entirely, but it can help since Mercury speaks to the material world and being secure, and so does Saturn. Since we're dealing with Mercury, that means we're dealing with more significations than just money and security. This line can speak to doctors, lawyers, criminals, scientists, writers, teachers, and everything that those people do. So writing, healing, conning, teaching, researching are all things that the line of Mercury can show within a person, that and more. It's again up to the main archetype of the palm that determines which way someone would take those skills and abilities. Just like with the last few lines, we really want to look at the origin point of this line. Where is it rising from and how is it getting there? Those are the two most important questions to ask yourself about this line and kind of all the lines really. Is it rising from the line of Saturn or the lifeline? Is it getting to the Mount of Mercury via a smooth, clear line? Or is that line broken and laddered as it continues across the palm? You can also understand health issues or defects based on the prominent archetype of the palm and the condition of the line of Mercury. Generally speaking, Apollo archetypes will run into heart issues. Mercurial archetypes will have an overworked nerves or issues with anxiety. Things like that can be gleaned from all this when we put it together and do a true analysis. We made it through all the lines of the palm. I hope that was a more in-depth look at the lines and helped give the perspective that this isn't as cut and dry as it seems. It's literally just like astrology. You can make your interpretations extremely surface level and palatable to a wide group of people, or you can hone in and get really detailed with your descriptions and be super personalized. This takes time. I really want to stress that. It takes a lot of time looking at your own palm and the palms of others. What I've given here is just a general overview of the lines, just like when you start adding in more astrological layers, the interpretation gets more complex. When you start adding in more mitigating factors, palmistry gets more complex. I hope this was a nice intro session to the lines. Look at your hands, practice, get familiar with them, and when you think you've got it, go back and look in a different lighting. Hell, even use a magnifying glass so you can really see the intricacies and details of the lines. That is something that you should do if you're practicing palmistry. Look at your hand with a magnifying glass. I know it seems outrageous, but you should. It's going to show you those little intricacies and you're going to be like, oh, I actually do have, you know, an X there or I have a star there. The next thing we're going to go over is the thumb. I think I had mentioned when I had talked about the mounts a little bit that the thumb is kind of its own entity. It's its own thing. So we're going to do a whole episode on just the thumb. So I'll see you back here in two weeks to talk about that. If you want more astrological content before the next episode, consider signing up to become a patron of my work. I've got exclusive blog content, monthly lunar reminders with tarot advice, retrograde guides, and a discord waiting for you to join. You could also leave a super beautiful review on Spotify or iTunes, which I would be eternally grateful for. Head on over to my website, check it all out, and thank you in advance for supporting me. Until next time, later days.